Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. Friends, to be equipped to share the gospel with simple tools, go to everydisciplesent.ca. And if you have questions or would like to drop us a line about the show, email us at information at And of course, follow along on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC. My guest today originally hails from Lagos, Nigeria. She has spent some time living outside of Liverpool in the UK and has been in Canada since 1996. I'm always curious as to how people worship the Lord in other countries. So here to share that and her testimony is Boye Shobole. How was that? Was that okay? <laughs> was it? It was good. Awesome. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Todd, for inviting me. Yeah, it's good to see you. Thank you. So just for some context, friends, we uh, we attend the same church, and it's uh, quite a big congregation, a big space, and just over the years, just watching you worship has just really touched my heart and that was our connection to chatting with each other wonderful (laughs) so full of jesus (laughs) i love to just worship amen my king (laughs) amen so um let's uh let's just talk about uh lagos nigeria like growing up uh as a kid over there we were talking in the green room a bit about uh, you know, Christianity. So what was your Christian life like there? Um, growing up, I went to a big church um, in Lagos, Nigeria, well known. And um, growing up, it was I was a Christian, a nominal church going Christian, not really knowing the Lord. And my parents didn't really know the Lord. It was just all about go to church, get dressed up, and um, come back home and just live your life the way you want. There wasn't anything like living for Christ. Sounds very. Sounds. I grew up. That sounds very familiar to a lot of people in in North America. Yes. So what, uh, where did you move and what happened? You were telling me a little bit about how Jesus became real to you. So I went to school. I went to um, university in Ibadan. That's another city, um, not in Lagos. Um, it's in your state of Nigeria. And um, I used to go to this church, the Deeper Life Bible Church. The really teach the word and they say it as it is in the Bible. I can't remember who um, invited me, but I think um, my um, cousin's wife was attending then. So I started attending um, the Bible study. And um, so I'd been going for a while. I got married. I got married in Lagos when I finished um, university. And um, one day we were Bible study. At that time, I just had surgery and I was bleeding so badly. I guess God has a lot of good plan for my life. They always have an altar call. And that particular day, October 28th, 
1988. Pastor Kumoi, the general overseer of that church up till now, still alive, was preaching that day. And there was uh, something that happened to me. Um, I'd been going, um, there'd been changes in my life, change from when I was growing up um, as a child just going to church. There was ah, this eagerness to know the Lord more. And because they touched the word so deeply, before the altar call was even done, I was ready to go forward to the altar. So immediately I must have been one of the very few that got to the altar first that day because it's a large, large church. And I just rushed to the front. I was bleeding so badly that day. I had to go back to the hospital um, the next day. But that day I went and everything changed in my life. I could not drop my Bible anymore. I went everywhere with my Bible. Then I was married and I had my two children at that time. And I would read my Bible all the time. And my husband complained that I was reading my Bible too much. (laughs) So I used to go in the toilet to read the Bible. So there was this day. One of the girls came in and said, Mom, what are you doing? And, oh, I thought she was going to tell her father, but she didn't tell on me because I'll go in the toilet and they'll be wondering, what is she doing there? She's taking so long in the toilet. So that's what I used to do and just read my Bible and my husband couldn't do anything about it, but I was living for the Lord. I began to do that. And I'd also like to mention that I introduced one of my friends um, to to Christ. I actually invited her to come to the church. And she had been married for a while. She didn't have a child yet. Shortly after, she got pregnant with her first baby. But she couldn't carry the baby to term She delivered that baby 30 weeks old. And at that time in Nigeria, in the 80s, it wasn't good. So she asked me to call one of the pastors in the church to come pray for her. Like medically, like the hospital system wasn't good at the time, is it mean? No, um, it was good, but for a 30-weeker baby, for a baby 30 weeks old, that was looked at as... She, I mean, the baby wasn't going to survive. And I'll describe, the baby was so little, the tiniest diaper you could get got to her neck. Wow. That's how tiny the baby was. So you can understand when people thought this baby would not leave. This baby lived, went to university, did not have any deformation she lives in the United Kingdom now. Wow. What God cannot do does not exist. Yeah. So I believed that God was preparing her for that, and she's still serving the Lord now. 
culturally, like when you were when you were growing up culturally, you know, a nominal Christian, you said so. Nigeria is predominantly Christian then, and it, well, would you say or um, predominantly Christian, but. What they project is that we are more Muslim than Christian. That's what the country that. projects, That's or what they project. Yeah. So, um, what what was what was the worship like, and what was the church setting like before wow. you went to this other church where you answered the altar call? Was it like a a oh, traditional well, church that we're familiar the with? Traditional or? churches, then Anglican, sang, danced. But it was nothing compared to the Pentecostal in Nigeria. We, and that's why you see me dancing, lifting my hands in church here. I can't hold it. I cannot worship without dancing. It's like David danced. Um, I feel like I can dance before the king. I dance to worship. Because it says, come to my presence with timbrels and cymbals and with dance. Yeah. David was dancing on a shimedly. And that is how I dance in church. So the second church that you went to where you answered that altar yes. call, it was more, it was more charismatic or could you guys, could you feel it like. It wasn't. The- Actually, it wasn't. The deeper life, they were more um, conservative. So it was really... But, def- uh, now, it's changed. Yeah. They dance more now. Then, it used to be more conservative. They're very strict. They live a strict Christian life. But things change. Things change. More Pentecostal churches now, we dance. We are encouraged to dance, to worship, to praise. So it was really, like you said, the power of the word the that they were preaching the that really touched your heart. They were deep... It was deep, and it still is. Yeah, the power of the word. When I was in England, um, outside, uh, I was worshiping Liverpool, the Deeper Life Church in Liverpool. My pastor then, Pastor Ayo, a very smart guy, graduated with a first class. He worked full time, and he was pastoring. I looked forward to the Bible study every time because it will go so deep into the word. I didn't know how he did it because he worked full time. Mm. So that was it. Um, Deeper Life Bible Church, they teach the word. Yeah. So uh, what brought you guys to England? And how, how long was that after the story you told about the baby? Okay, that was... Uh, uh, barely months after. Um, that was 1988. I, I got saved and we went to England 1989. My husband was doing his postgraduate degree. He's a medical doctor. So the, actually, just to jump back, the mom of the baby yes. that was born 30 weeks. Yes. How did that miracle of survival shape her? Well, she's never left the Lord since. (laughs) She can't afford to because she knew that the Lord sustained her. A lot of people thought that our daughter wasn't going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's wild. <laughs> so how long were you guys, how long were you guys in England and what was that like for you as far as uh, worship? Did you, you found a place where you could worship yes. just as the same? And Yes. I found a place. I told you I went to Deeper Life Church there in yeah. Liverpool. It was a bit of a distance from my, where we lived in my goal. Um, so, but I still went there. Um, even though I went when my husband was working. So we would go to the Anglican church as a family. I wanted to worship as a family. So when he's busy at work, I would go to Deeper Life Church because um, I needed to be fed. Yeah. And so did you have opportunities when you were in England to share the gospel, either with other Nigerians that had immigrated there or just people that were there? or Like were you... Many. There weren't many Nigerians where we lived. Yes, I did share with people in London whenever we went to London then. Um, but there weren't many Nigerians where we lived. And if there were, we were already going to that church, yeah. we knew the Lord, right? Yeah. So I wasn't really involved with evangelism then until I got to Canada and can't stop talking to people in the stores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was more uh that was more just of a hunger and growing and yes. just absorbing yes. the word. Yes. So what brought your family to to Canada like work for your husband? Yes. Here? It was still his work. Yeah. And that was another miracle on its own. Um we came to Canada from England, and we've been here 20-something odd years, since 1996. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you come right to where you are now, or were you living no, in a different province? We actually were in Newfoundland, in Grand Falls, and then um, he had to regularize his um, uh, degree. He had to do some months of training in, there in St. John's. We moved from Grand Falls to St. John's and then to Peterborough when he finished. So So wh- how big is how big is uh Lagos? Oh. Like it's a big city, hey. Oh, oh wow. Um Lagos and the periphery is about twenty million. So that's quite, uh, and then England, obviously, very, very populated. Yes. So that's quite a, a culture shock to go from such a huge city to Newfoundland and, yeah. and the yes, nature. Of course, but the thing with me is wherever I have my family is home yeah. to me. And while I was in England, that's when God gave me my son. And his middle name is Samuel. And that's another miracle. I've lived my life, miracles, breakthroughs from the most high. So I don't know any other way but to praise him. So what's the miracle of Samuel? <laughs> okay. So I you can't say miracle. You, you can't say miracle on this yeah. show and not share it. <laughs> okay. I'd had two girls. All right. And um, if you know Nigerian culture especially with the Yorubas, even Igbos. Um, men, 
need, they want to have a son, right? So I've had two girls, so, um, and I was attending Deeper Life Bible Church, and I said to God, um, I need a son, and I know whatever I ask you, you will give unto me. And why I said it was a miracle, it was because I had the faith that God can do whatever I ask him when I serve him. So from the time I got pregnant with my son, I started buying male clothes. I did not buy unisex. And I'll tell you, every time we went for my clinic appointment, I attended the clinics where my husband was working then. But every time it was my turn to go in to see the doctor, they would call him. His pager would go. Believe it or not, for eight months, it happened every time. He never got opportunity. And every time the doctor asked me if I wanted to know the sex, I say, no, I know what I was going to have. I don't want to know. So the eighth month, and we decided already that we were not going to have a baby room. It wasn't. We already had two girls and whatever. He'll just put his cot in our room. So the eighth month, my husband said to me that after work that day, he was going to take me to do ultrasound to see because he was never there throughout. They will call him for one thing or the other. So I said, I will go with him on one condition that he doesn't tell me what he saw in the ultrasound. Because as a doctor, he'd, he'd, yeah, he he'd know. know. Yeah. So he didn't tell me. But I knew because this is the eighth month. Right after he dropped me at home, he went into a store. We already said we weren't having a baby room. He went into a store like Home Depot here, and he bought everything matching, the lamp, the wallpaper, and my tummy was this long, and he would ask me to hold it at the bottom. And he did all the work in the third room to have a baby room done because he saw that he was a boy. He said he didn't want a baby room. There was no need for it. So I knew that that could only have been God that did that. I didn't buy anything. There was, I must say, there was one thing I bought that was a girl's. Mother care in England, it's um, a baby store. And I went in there one day and I saw this pink bed sheet, you know, um, it's a fitted cover for baby cot, and it was only 50 pence. It was reduced so much. I said, okay, I guess I'm going to buy this one. It's, it was pink, shocking pink. That was the only thing I bought, and I said, I'll use it, and the other sheet will go over it. Every other thing was male clothing. My sister-in-law didn't believe that I didn't. I hadn't seen the ultrasound. They thought I had seen it already. That's why. But I believed God mm. 
that he was going to do it. And he gave me a son. So I mm. named him Samuel. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. So, um, uh, go, so going from uh, Newfoundland, yes. then you moved to Ontario yes. and to Peterborough. Yes. And did you feel like this was your sort of final settling place or was this more of a permanent or are you? Well, that was where my husband was going to be and he loved it because when he came to see, he loved the uh, people in the department he was going to work. So um, I never feel anywhere was permanent. I always know that God will take me where he wanted yeah. and wherever God had led me, I always find people that he puts in place for me to help me one way or the other. So I never felt anywhere was not good. Even when we were in Liverpool, um, I got help. I wasn't living around family. My neighbors would gladly help with my son when I needed help. If the mother couldn't help, the daughter will help or the father. So people would always ask me, where do you find these people? Just God just puts them in place for me, I believe. Yeah. And wherever he has led me is being home for me. The same with Peter, bro. Oh. I met you, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, amen. amen. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about sharing the gospel in the stores and <laughs> yeah. So what what happened? What happened that made you s- sort of desire to to then really share the gospel with people? Um, growing in my faith, I knew that the purpose that God, um, why we are here is to expand the kingdom, to tell people of the goodness of God in our lives. Um, And people go about with so much burden, you won't even believe. They just want to unload sometimes. You say hello to someone and you ask if, if there's anything that they would like God to do in their lives, what would it be? And they start unloading. There's another pamphlet that I usually share. It's from Every Home for for Christ. Um, It talks about experiences of people and how some people come to know the Lord and they invite you to um, give your life. So I usually share it and start with that and tell them that, Jesus loves them. Recently, just two days ago at Walmart, I was actually sharing and I gave two out already. I was so, when I was going out, I took two and the Holy Spirit told me to take a third one. And I took the third one. And while I shared with those two people, this man came of his own accord and asked, what are you sharing? Is it money? Jokingly. I said, no, it's, money. it's not money, but this is bigger than money because Jesus loves you. Here, he says, yes, I know Jesus 
loves me. And he started telling his story how God had saved him from death through sickness. And I just said, God, you knew all along that this man was going to come. And I took a third pamphlet to give him. And he opened up and he was so happy. And he left. So I feel like sharing because sometimes people just unburden. They open up. They talk about things. And right there we go into one corner and we just say a word of prayer. And I may never see them again, but I know that I've planted something that will get them thinking about the Lord and the love of Christ for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's such encouragement too for someone like that who, you know, just out of a curiosity, but then to be further encouraged into a truth that he obviously already knows. Yes. Um, What's your favorite place to be in to share? Like, do you find, like, sometimes I find certain places you just seem to have more opportunities for whatever reason. I don't know why, but. Walmart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's big. There's so many people, young and old, and you just look for opportunity. A smile does it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, um, one of the workers there, I always look at him and he hardly smiles, right? So I wasn't, I hadn't been bold enough to go to him to share with him or to even offer him the pamphlet. But this very day, I said, hello. He didn't answer. I stood there and I said, hello again. And he did answer me. And I always go with a smile. So I spoke to him and he actually answered me. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) So I shared the pamphlet with him, you know. So I thought, there's nothing that God can do because he never smiles. He's like, I'm I'm doing work here. I don't want to talk to anybody, (laughs) right? But he did answer me that day. So I shared with him. Yeah. Well, with that smile, how can you not? Okay. How do you find the worship? Uh, do you find the worship different in Canada than than what you had found in Nigeria? Uh, yes, it's definitely different, but um, it's the same praise, it's the same worship. It's just people don't feel free to dance or move. I find it hard to hear music and not move. It's hard for me to stand still, especially when the words of the music, of the songs, of the praise go into you. Yeah. So when I was in the choir, so I wouldn't get distracted, I used to just shut my eyes and dance unashamedly and lift my hands in worship to the Almighty. When I'm not looking at anyone, I dance freely. So I don't know if my blouse is not good or is flowing in any way. I don't really care. I just want to dance. And I'm not looking at anyone. You think it's a cultural thing? I think it's a cultural thing. 
But you know what's interesting is when, when we at Disciple a City, as you know, because you've been, we yes. host some events, friends yes. called that we just simply called Praise Nights, and we have a, a really awesome worship team, and we get together and and just worship. And in those nights, there's all kinds of dancing. And even the people that, I mean, like any concert, right, or anything like that, the people up close are always the most yes. into the dancing. But right. even on the, on the, in the back, yes. people are still moving. And we see people that we see in our church and other churches, mm-hmm. even dancing. So, which is interesting maybe it's just the environment or the night or that it's a night out or it's more it's more specific to worship environment. but you know with that when we come together they're from different churches and you will rea- you will realize that those people in their own churches will probably do the same they'll probably dance and it encourages some others to dance um it's people are a bit reserved here when we are in church in nigeria (laughs) we don't um show that reservation that you have here we are worshiping because that's and, and that's what that's one thing i do even in my home when i feel down sometimes you don't even feel like praying I just go into the study and I just praise and I come out another person. Yeah. You just worship. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So, yes. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder, uh, I wonder how like as a, as a culture will sort of lose those inhibitions. And I mean, I'm not dancing all up and down the aisles in, no. in the church either. I, I mostly find myself, I don't know, really focusing on the words and, and oftentimes just praying and stuff. And then sometimes it just ends up, I'm a mess, you know, in my heart. <laughs> no. And you know what? Like in a good way, right? We're there to encourage um, one another. And I'm even encouraged sometimes when maybe the pastor is preaching and I hear an amen from behind. And I say, oh, that's my kind of person. So I'm encouraged to just vocalize and say amen when you're supposed to say it. And get up and dance. You see people, even with tambourines sometimes, who are dancing in church. And I'm just encouraged that way. And I'm sure that I do encourage some. Because we just need to worship the Most High. Yeah. Always. It's interesting how we can be, we can be very vocal, but then we get into certain environments and we feel that maybe we shouldn't, hey? Because I just met with one of the church leaders and was just saying that they had preached and said some things that were so powerful. And I said, inside of my being, I'm like one of those people you hear like at Bethel Church in the background going, come on, (laughs) right? Inside, but I... I like hold it, I hold it in, but I was encouraged like, no, no, I, I would really like if you did that, Yes, you know, just it's, it's encouraging not only to the person speaking, right, but it's encouraging to others and yeah. And you know, um, just like a couple of weeks ago, I think the pastor was preaching and he said something, I mean, that we should have all have answered to. 
and a few people did. And you know, sometimes he would just jokingly say, oh, only three people are applied here. So everybody yeah. then comes up and say, amen, yeah. <laughs> because they want to be part of it, right? But I don't know where the inhibition comes from. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting culture right here in Canada because, I mean, if if there was a couple hockey pucks going around yes. in there and a couple people, <laughs> there'd be all kinds of screaming because uh-huh. we have Soccer it in moms. us, right? Yeah. <laughs> Soccer mums and we but have it. Church, no. All Canadians have it in them to be charismatic because yes. you see it at every hockey game. Yes. Some yes. almost insane. <laughs> so it's there. It just needs, and he's like, Hey, that's okay here too. Um, so what, what are your, what are your hopes? What would you like to see? What would you like to see in this country as far as worship goes? And how, and how do you think you can help encourage that? By continuing to be how the Holy Spirit leads me. Um, I pray for a revival that nothing will hinder worship, that um, people will be open and just worship God openly. Um, yeah, I guess they ho- we need the Holy Spirit to, to help us to do what we need to do in terms of worship because praise never fails. It never fails. I know some people, some people are just made that way. They just quiet, you know, but um, we need to be vocal when it comes to God. (laughs) Yeah. You still have a lot of family in Nigeria? Do you guys go back uh, regularly or go often? go back quite often. Um, I still have family, but my parents are gone. Mm. I still have family. I have a, a sister in Nigeria. I have cousins. I have, yeah, I still have family in Nigeria. And do they know, does your sister know the Lord? Is, yeah. Do you just have oh. one sister? Do you have brothers? Or I have one sister in Nigeria, just the one. Yeah. She knows the Lord. And she's serving the Lord. And she's she dances like I do. Yeah. <laughs> so if there were two of us, <laughs> you would think these twins can't stop dancing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the mode of worship, though. A lot of Nigerians will do that. If you know the Nigerians, even in our church now, you'll see that they do not stand still. Oh, yeah. The ones that you know. It's encouraging. <laughs> That's great. It's encouraging. It's certainly, especially if somebody is, is curious and comes into the church to see that joy, right? Like that's the whole point of the gospel, right? Yes. Or to see the joy. What, what is, where does this joy come from? Joy of the Lord. Yeah. And an opportunity to share. So we need to show it more. Yeah. So if, um, if, if a new family from night, you know how when you go, like even even for us, if you go, or even for me rather, like if you go to another country and you find people from the country where you came from, you naturally 
you're naturally drawn to them, right, to help you sort of assimilate and, and stuff. So if a Nigerian, another Nigerian family came yeah. here and ended up at our church, but you knew they were of like the more conservative or like you said, how you grew up. Yeah. Um, what, w- what would you say to help them? Oh, I. To help them see the, the, the truth in Christ. Yes. Beyond just, you know, religion. Well, for one, I have a prayer meeting in my home. Um, I would invite them. I would just love them. And they see we, you talk from time to time. It's not sitting them out per se, it's sitting them down per se, saying, oh, you need to dance, you need to do this. No, when they come to know the Lord, that joy, you cannot hide. Because they see it. They see it all around and they see you. And I feel really blessed by the Lord. What I'm doing is not for anyone to see. It's to my God. That's why my eyes are shut most of the time. So it's just to God. It's not to anyone. I just want to worship. Yeah. And that's a joy you just can't fake, hey? You can't fake it. Yeah. You can't fake it. I I just wonder if when I lift my hands, why my hands don't ache, you know? They're there, and they're not aching me. So I lift them up there just to praise God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much for coming in and sharing with us today. Todd, I love to share, and I hope... All your listeners um, that have encouraged them one way or the other to just worship, to just bless the Lord and come to know the depth of the love of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have any final, final thoughts you want to share about your passion? My passion. Passion for the Lord. Yes. So I like to leave with this verse. Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This has helped me in so many ways you cannot even believe. When you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, He will protect you, He will provide for you, He will just love you and hold you. His presence will go with you everywhere that you go. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Thank you, Todd. You're a very, uh, (laughs) an incredible encourager to me to worship. So thank you for coming in and sharing with us today. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. God bless you all. We could all be encouraged just to worship him, friends. If you're living in a place that's a little reserved, our physical reaction and worship should be an example of what's really going on in our heart. To behold the king. 
And today I'll just leave you with this. You can actually hear this song and just worship in your heart wherever you are. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.